Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. On June 30th, Harvard University's Nutrition Obesity Research Center hosted its 21st annual symposium on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, mechanisms, and therapeutics. Internationally renowned researchers spoke about topics addressing the genetics behind NAFLD, the global and clinical burden of disease, and mechanisms and novel therapeutics. With us today to discuss his session on endocrine pathways for treating NAFLD is Dr. Stephen Grinspoon, who is a professor of medicine, chief of the metabolism unit, and director of the Nutrition Obesity Research Center at Harvard Medical School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Dr. Grinspoon. To start, can you give us an overview of the endocrine targets for treating NAFLD? The most important target, I think, is insulin resistance. NAFLD has been associated with type 2 diabetes. Over 50% of patients with diabetes can have NAFLD. And it's thought that insulin resistance, uh, which is selective, such that it's not occurring in the pathway that produces fat, the lipogenesis pathway, but is occurring in um, the pathways that suppress gluconeogenesis, that insulin resistance is occurring in high insulin levels drive lipogenesis in the liver at dysregulated situations. So targeting insulin resistance is important. And in that regard, I think the leading candidates are the GLP-1 agonists, liraglutide, and others, which can reduce insulin resistance, reduce appetite, actually, centrally, reduce substrate flux to the liver, at the same time, reduce inflammation. So those are very attractive targets that really go to the core of the primary problem metabolically, which is insulin resistance that comes from from overweight and other conditions. So why and how are these pathways targeted? They're targeted to reduce the lipogenesis, and that's an important concept. It's a good question. It's thought that the, the fat in the liver can initiate uh, inflammatory pathways and other processes, which ultimately potentially can lead to fibrosis. So it's ectopic adipose in the liver, which is thought to be toxic in a way. So targeting lipogenesis or the creation of fat is very important in that regard. There are other agents which target insulin sensitivity, for example, metformin, which has not been as successful as the GLP-1 agonists. And in diabetics, the GLP-1 agonists are effective to reduce liver fat, to reduce ectopic fat in general, to reduce weight. They're not FDA approved in that regard, but uh, when you treat type 2 diabetics with those agents, you can get significant benefits on liver fat. Um, There's also other strategies which are used which are not necessarily targeting insulin resistance, but maybe targeting uh, liver fat per se. Great. Let's talk more about the treatment options. What are the current options available to treat NAFLD via endocrine pathways, and what therapeutics are on the horizon? 
Great. Well, the, probably the most important treatment is weight loss per se and lifestyle, even before one considers a GLP-1 agonist. And that's really the cornerstone of treatment of diabetes as well. In non-diabetics, weight loss can improve insulin resistance. So weight loss is a cornerstone. Of course, it's not easily achieved in all people, but it is important. And there can be significant reductions in liver fat over time with consistent weight loss. So beyond weight loss and insulin sensitizers, there are a few options that are on the horizon which have been tested. One very interesting option is a thyroid hormone beta analog. And this is an interesting option because the beta receptors for the the thyroid action are primarily in the liver and not on the heart and other organs which can lead to the sympathomimetic effects of thyroid hormone. So when thyroid hormone is given in axon, the thyroid hormone beta receptor in the liver, it can actually reduce lipid production or lipogenesis and lipid levels in general. And we know from medical school that hypothyroid patients have high lipid levels and when you treat, they come down. And indeed, there's a whole series of studies now looking at the thyroid hormone beta agonist to improve lipid levels and to improve lipid levels circulating and also lipid levels in the liver, the lipogenesis. There was a very interesting uh, trial recently in this regard, which showed very significant changes in liver fat, as well as significant effects on inflammation in the liver and some potential effects on fibrosis. So that's a very interesting set of agents that's on the horizon. And there's now a phase three trial in that regard. Another interesting potential treatment strategy is to activate the growth hormone axis. It's well known that in overweight patients, there's a relative reduction of growth hormone secretion. And that's also true in patients who have abdominal adiposity, which is very common. Our group has shown that when you activate the growth hormone axis, using a a hypothalamic peptide, a GHRH analog, you physiologically activate it, causing the pulsatile growth hormone secretion, which is missing in obesity. The peak height of the pulses is off in obesity. And you activate that axis, and you can lead to significant reductions in liver fat. Growth hormone is known to reduce lipogenesis. It's well known. So when you augment it, you reduce de novo lipogenesis. And that's probably the reason why giving growth hormone uh, leads to reduced liver fat. Another possibility is that the growth hormone increases hepatic oxidation or literally burns fat in the liver. This growth hormone is very potent in that regard. So by those two effects, uh, it may work. And we've shown in a recent study in a lipodystrophic model, significant reductions in liver fat, a 37% relative reduction in liver fat, which is quite significant. And importantly, a prevention of fibrosis progression in patients receiving that therapeutic. So that I think is a very interesting potential treatment strategy on the horizon, targeting the low growth hormone in in obese patients to reduce liver fat. Mm -hmm. So this really sounds like a multidisciplinary approach to managing NAFLD. Yeah, it really is. That's a great question. These patients are obviously seen by gastroenterologists, but (laughs) the fascinating thing here is that a number of the strategies come into the realm of nutrition, nutritionists, internists, endocrinologists, etc. And there are even cardiovascular complications of NAFL, which we haven't talked about, but 
In fact, the leading complication of NAFLD in its early stages is cardiovascular disease. Now, as it progresses through increased stages of fibrosis, hepatocellular cancer and other things, cirrhosis can occur, but in the early stages, it's associated with a number of metabolic problems which can be associated with cardiovascular disease. So not only do you need some lifestyle intervention, you may need an endocrinologist if you have type 2 diabetes, you may need a cardiologist if you have associated cardiovascular disease, and of course you need the gastroenterologist to quarterback the team. So it is a multi-faceted approach to these patients. Um, there are other approaches as well, which are not in the realm of endocrine, but there are experimental approaches now um, in which link the microbiome to NAFLD, and that was a topic of one of our talks in our symposium. And there are certain bacterial species which are higher prevalence among patients with NAFLD, and there are experimental models in mice that by manipulating those levels of bacteria through specific phage viruses, you can actually improve NAFLD. A very, very exciting set of experiments. That's It's in the future. It hasn't been really done in humans yet, but it's potentially quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. A lot of things have come to light that are connected with the microbiome. So definitely interested in seeing the results of that study in NAFLD patients too. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are the overall key take-home points from the symposium as a whole and for your session specifically? The larger take-home points from the symposium were that the global burden of NAFLD and NASH is increasing significantly. As hepatitis C is decreasing, NAFLD is becoming the primary reason for liver transplants, and the global burden is increasing. And it's associated with the global burden of obesity and type 2 diabetes, and they all travel together. So one major point is that this is a disease that's occurring in probably a quarter of all people in the world, even higher among type 2 diabetics. So number one, take-home message, it's a major problem. Number two, we need to recognize and understand its long-term complications. And I think if we do that, we can try to treat it early through lifestyle and other disease modulations. Number three is that work should continue on experimental therapeutics. In the case that lifestyle and diet are not working, we're going to need drugs and pharmacotherapeutics to improve this. And I think the major message that was from the symposium in my talk and others was that it's best to target a physiological pathway that's gone awry rather than introduce something that's not really related to the underlying pathology. In that case, because insulin resistance is so common and contributes, targeting is reasonable. Growth hormone levels are low, it makes sense to increase them. Thyroid hormone can decrease lipogenesis, it makes sense to give it, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the message is look at the pathways that are perturbed and try to create therapeutics around those pathways which are specific and effective and safe. And that's really, really important. And the FDA has a very high bar for you know, ultimately approving such strategies. They have to be effective to reduce not only the fat, but the inflammation, and they have to be safe. So I think you know, all the participants in the symposium really took that message away from the symposium, and I think it's really important. Absolutely. Thank you again for speaking with me today about your session. 
Thanks, Amanda. It's been a pleasure.